0: beautiful church we say hello to those that are watching us online to our church family to our lead pastor Brunton and his family they're on a much-needed vacation for a few days so we say hello to them so yes this is the month of what women women of the Bible all right it's exciting um of course we love every month but this is especially fun the woman I have chosen for this week is Deborah, and there were some great women to choose from. Whenever you choose um, a character in the Old Testament, you feel like there's got to be a little bit more explanation because how God dealt with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and how he deals with us in the New Testament after the cross is different. So sometimes when we read stories from the Old Testament, it's like, Oh my gosh, these people were crazy. I mean, there's wars and all kinds of things that happen. but we're going to read it just like the Bible tells it, and I won't explain things too much, just enough so that we know what's happening. The story of Deborah is found in the book of Judges, and Judges is in the Old Testament. And it was the period, the period of the Judges was about 300 to 400 years. And there were 12 Judges in Israel at that time. This was... Centuries before Christ was to come as a, as a man and live on earth. And the best way I can explain what a judge was in that time was to show you a picture. Do you know what the picture is on the left? What is that picture of? Our Supreme Court. That's right. There are nine members. This isn't the most recent picture I don't believe um, Justice Kavanaugh is up there, but it was the first one I came to. And then the woman on the right is, of course, Sandra Day O'Connor. She was the first woman that was appointed to the Supreme Court. She was appointed by President Reagan. And she has since retired, but I believe she's still living. So Deborah is kind of like Justice O'Connor in the fact that she was leading the people of Israel during her judgeship. She lasted for about 40 years. Now, the difference between our Supreme Court and the judges of Israel, of course, there were many differences, but the main is that when we, a case comes before the Supreme Court, they all vote on it, or judge on it, and they have, have a verdict. But in the judges of Israel, there was one leader. Uh, Eleven of them were were males, and Deborah was the lone female. But they judged for their lifetime, and then they died, and then the Lord would raise up someone else. But in in this period of Israel's history, as in many periods of Israel's history, there was what I'm going to call a sin cycle. Not a spin cycle, but a sin cycle. And that means that, and I I see myself in this. Sin cycle, they would people. The people of Israel would be blessed, and and slowly they would fall away from doing what the, what God had told them to do from the commandments that God had given them. And they would go through a period where God would allow oppression to come, so that they would see their need for Him. They would understand what had happened, and they would cry out to God, and then He would send a deliverer, and they would repent. And they would be fine again, the judge would die, the lifetime would be over, and they would start sinning again. So it was a cycle that kept repeating throughout the the history of the judges and actually on into the Old Testament. But here's a a verse that we'll start with. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Now, of course, this was before King David. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That could actually be a verse. Of what's happening today everyone kind of does what's right in their own eyes and this of course was not the thing to do now Deborah a prophetess the wife of Lapidoth was judging Israel at that time she used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim and the people of Israel came up to her for judging for judgment now a judge in Israel was the highest position in the land. They were to govern. They were to rule Israel. They were to avenge Israel. And they were to deliver Israel. Those were all round up in the job description. Now, our court system, we have, uh, we get vengeance in our court system through the laws and through the administration of justice. But in the Old Testament, vengeance and deliverance was usually fought through wars. It wasn't... Um, the pronouncing of judgments from a, from a law, it was conquering and being conquered. So Deborah is introduced in the line of judges. She's judge number four. And this is her resume. It says she was a prophetess. And a prophetess is a female prophet. And there were, there were two ways that God dealt with the nation of Israel and the people of the Old Testament. That was through priests the priest would take, um, the people would come and confess their sins and they would make sacrifices, animal sacrifices before God to, to take away the sin of the people. That was the priest. And then the prophet was the other office that was found in the Old Testament. And that was a person that had the ability to hear from God in a way that would foretell something that God wanted to do on the earth. Or in this case, in the nation of Israel. So she was one of those people that was a prophetess. So that means that she had a relationship. That's the first thing that we need to know about Deborah. She had a relationship with God. And yes, she had a gift from God of foretelling and being able to speak to the people of what God wanted to do. But she had a relationship herself with God, and I love that. The next thing it says about Deborah is that she was the wife of Lapidoth. Just a simple phrase. We don't know. We, we can assume that she was a good wife because she was, it was in the position where you would have to be uh, fulfilling all of the laws. But it doesn't say much about it, only that she was a wife. The next it says she was judging. She was a judge. And this was her day job. We do not know if she had physical children herself. The Bible doesn't reveal that. So it's not important to the story if it doesn't tell us. But she was a judge. This is what she did during the day. And judging, like I said, was the highest honor, the highest office in the land. And God saw fit to raise up Deborah to be that, at that highest position. And I love it because Deborah, from, the, from day one, her style of leadership is different from her male, the male judges that came before her and the male judges that came after her. And you know what? That was okay with God. That was what God wanted. And we're going to see later why he wanted that to be. So normally in the Old Testament when there were people would bring their disputes to court, the courts were held at the, at the city gates. And so people coming into the city and leaving the city would stop there and they would hear their, their dispute and it would get settled. There would be a judgment and then they would have to go and either make reparations or do whatever the judgment was. The judgment was not questioned. But Deborah, we see here, already is delightfully doing it her own way. And she is judging where? Under a palm tree. <laughs> I love that. I just think that's so I can just see her relaxing, maybe drinking juice. And the people are coming up to her and they're bringing their problems, their disputes their arguments, every manner of legal case they would bring to Deborah. In fact, she was so known to be there that she had a palm tree named after her. There was a region named after her, so it was kind of like in our country, in our in our time, we have um, boulevards and streets named after her. We've got Ronald Reagan Boulevard and Martin Luther King uh, Highway and all these things. Well, this was the palm of Deborah, and I love that. She had her own palm tree named after her. So. She already had influence with the people because she would give wise judgments. Wise not only because of her gifting, but, but I imagine that that's the kind of woman that she was. Um, something a, a quote that Sandra Day O'Connor, the, the first female Supreme Court judge, said. I'm going to read that to you because I think it refl- reflects also on Deborah. She said, the power that I exert on the Supreme Court depends on the power of my arguments not on my gender. And I love that. That represents her soundness of mind, her ability to listen to disputes and to render a sound judgment, Sandra Day O'Connor says. And that's what I see happening in the life of Deborah. She is a woman that's respected for her wisdom And I don't see anywhere in the two chapters that refer to her, um, Judges 4 and and 5, where any of her edicts are questioned or her judgments are questioned. It was the law of the land. And that was God's good pleasure to make her the ruler over Israel at that time as judge. Prophetess, wife, judge. The last one, now this is the resume that the verse just gave us. But there's another thing that I see, which I'm going to do next. And the scripture doesn't list this as part of her resume. This is what she refers to herself as, as a mother. And like I said, we don't know if she had natural children, but we know from this verse. In the, na- in the days of Jael, and that's another woman that we'll hear about in just a few moments, people avoided the main roads. Travelers stayed on winding pathways instead. There were a few people left in the villages of Israel until, one translation says, until I, Deborah, here says, until Deborah arose as a mother in Israel. Why is that important? Why is it important for her as a judge, as a prophetess? As a wife, why is that important for her to identify herself, even though she might not have born physical natural children, to identify herself as a mother? I think it's important for one very important reason mothers fiercely protect the things that they love. Amen? Mothers fiercely protect. If it's one thing that you tell your children, I remember uh, when, we were, when they were growing up, it was a lot more wooded where we live. There were bears, bears around, and we didn't have a fence back then, an uh, electric fence. And so they would wander on our property, and we would see them on a regular basis. And like most parents, we told our children, if you see a mother with her cubs, What? Come on, y'all know what to do if you see a mother with her cubs. Do you go up and try to feed the cubs? No. If you see a mama with her cubs, do not separate them. Do not get near them. Don't try to help her with those cubs. Don't try to feed the cubs because she will fiercely protect her children. And I see Deborah identifying herself as a mother for that very reason. She loves Israel. She loves the nation that God has appointed her to judge. And she sees the condition of Israel. She sees that the women aren't able to go out to the well and talk and enjoy fellowship. Some of the few fellowship that they had in those days. She saw that the kids were allowed to go outside and play in the streets. She saw that the streets were deserted and travelers weren't coming by and that... Fierce protection rose up in her. And she said, I saw these conditions. And one day I rose up as a mother and said, I'm going to do something about this. Amen? Now, she was already judging before God put this spark in her, before God gave her the prophetic timing to say, this is the time to summon your general. Now, before we go any further, there are four characters in this quick story that I'm telling. There's Deborah. Deborah. And there's her military commander, and his name was Barak. And then there is the invading king that had been oppressing Israel for 20 years. So she had been judging for a while, and then finally the oppression, that sin cycle finally came to the place where God said, okay, it's time. It's time to answer the prayers of the children of Israel. And so this Mother of Israel said, I don't like what I see. I don't like what's happening to Israel, and I'm the one that's going to do something about it because I'm the one that God's put in charge of this. So I love that she has done that. And I can see her heart and her rulings and how she deals with the people around her. It's wonderful. To nurture, which is what Deborah did, to the nation of Israel. To the entire nation, that fierce protection. To nurture means to give care to something that is growing or developing. To give care to something. And she gave care to Israel. Now, you can nurture a growing business or you can nurture a growing embryo. You can nurture creativity in your team at work. You can nurture creativity in your children. This is not related to just a female thing. Nurture means, that men sometimes call it mentoring, but it's giving care to the things that God has placed within your realm of authority to do something about. And as a prophetess, one who speaks the words of God, under the protection as a wife, under the authority of a judge, and with the heart of a mother, For 40 years, she ruled Israel and brought peace and prosperity back to the land. I love the fact that Deborah didn't try to be like the three men who ruled before her. They each have their own anointing from God. In fact, um, in the Old Testament, it's different from those how we live in the New Testament with the Holy Spirit. Back then, the, it says that the Spirit of God fell on you. And so, with the men that were the judges, we have accounts of The is saying that the the Spirit fell on these men, and they rose up, and they did mighty exploits. We read about Samson, who was one of the judges, and he, as we know, he was a strong man, but when the Spirit of God would fall on him, his strength became what the Bible says supernatural. And in one battle, it says, and Pastor Mark alluded to this last week, he took the jawbone of a donkey that was laying there and in one battle, he himself killed a thousand men in one battle. That is supernatural strength. And the different men that were judges had different anointings from God for military battle and military strategy. But Deborah had a different anointing from God to rescue the people. And she didn't try to be like the men before her. In the in the As you read the accounts of the different judges, you hear the word deliverer. That in the men that did the military campaigns and and fought these battles, the word, the name that God called himself was deliverer. That he was the one that was in the, the battles. He was the one that confused the enemy. He was the one that gave the strategies to win these battles. But when Deborah comes along, when she comes on the scene, God uses Deborah in a different way. To show a different expression of his care, to show a different expression of his might, to show a different expression of leadership for the country that he loves. And that name for God was El Shaddai. And that, of course, means the God who nourishes. God is mighty and God is powerful, but he wanted the people of Israel to know that he's also loving. And he also nourishes those people. He cares about that. And that's what Deborah brought to the leadership in her 40 years as judge of Israel. Here's something that she said. My heart is with the rulers of Israel. She wasn't afraid to to feel her emotions. She says, my heart is with the people of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people that means she says i am with you for those of us that are serving the people of israel for those of us that are battling for those of us that are are in the trenches my heart is with you i am one of you and that's just one of the ways that her leadership was so very special and so very dear the last way we're going to look at is her leadership of collaboration and I believe that the style that she showed is something that we need today in the 21st century. Let's see what happened. Brock said to her, if you go with me. Now, Deborah has just said, okay, the time is now. The time is now. God has revealed to me that the time is now. I want you to go gather the 10,000 soldiers, warriors, men from the different tribes of Israel. And this is the time now. And Barack said to her, her military commander said, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And first I thought, what a, what a lily liver. What a, you know, what a chicken. He's saying, I don't want to go. But I don't believe the more I studied it. I, I really don't believe that's what's happening here. I don't believe he's afraid. I believe he recognizes that Deborah hears from God. And that she, that she has insight and counsel. And I believe that he wanted that by his side. That's what I believe. Because he was a brave warrior. I don't believe he was cowed by Deborah saying, this is the time to go and fight. I believe he wanted the partnership, the collaboration of her gifting with his military might and gifting. And together they would go and set the people of Israel free. She said... I will go with you, however, and I also used to read this like, this is what's going to happen. I don't believe that the way I read it before was true. I believe when she says, however, the way you are going to say, let's go together, will gain you no glory. And back then, I know it's changed today, but back then, men were about seeking honor and glory. And it's not that way today, I know, but it was that way back then, right? Amen? She said, you're not going to get any glory if I go with you. For the Lord will deliver Sisera. Now, Sisera, remember, was the commander of the invading army. The Lord will deliver that commander into the hands of a woman. Now, in that time, that was a shameful thing. That was like a thing of dishonor. He didn't care. And she wasn't even referring to herself. She wasn't trying to get glory. God had already told her and showed her how the battle would end. I see why Barak wanted her to go with him. I think he was a wise man. Then Deborah got up, and she went with him to the battle. Collaboration means that you work with someone else or two someone else's or three someone else's to get a job done, to see a purpose fulfilled. Collaboration means you don't have to be the one that gets the glory. Collaboration means you bring your gift, I'll bring my gift, we'll put our gifts together, and we'll see this thing finished. That's what Deborah and Brock were. They were collaborators for a purpose. She recognized that her authority was to say, now is the time to go. This is the time that we fight. Rise up. And she recognized that his authority was to command those men, to get those men to rally around and to go forward into battle. And she didn't try to take over his job. She stayed with her gifting and allowed him to use his gifting. And together, together, we'll see what happens. What can we learn from Deborah's effective, effective leadership style? When we're working with people, we need to respect those people that we consider. Under us, if we're the boss or our our peers, it doesn't matter. Showing honor is how we get things done. I'm not talking about sucking up to the boss or sucking up to people. I'm talking about genuinely showing respect. She showed her commander the respect he deserved. And he, in a culture where it is unthinkable, showed her the respect as the leader and the one that God anointed to rule Israel, he showed her respect. And together, they honored. They set a pattern of honor and respect for each other. I think that's the key to going forward in any endeavor, because we can't do it ourselves. We can't. We can't win this city for Christ by ourselves. We can't do the things that God's called us to do as a church by ourselves. We need to work together. And to do that, we stand on a platform of honor. Respecting the gifts that God has given us. No one person has all the gifts. We have one, we have two, maybe three. But we don't have them all. And we need to honor the gifts and the callings that God has placed in the men and the women that we serve with. Not trying to seek honor for ourselves, but giving respect to the people that are linking arms with us to serve. I love that. I love it. Purpose. Shared purpose. The reason for which something is done. They had a shared purpose to rout the enemy out of their country so that the children could play, so that the families could live in peace, so there could be prosperity and commerce. That was their shared purpose. And that purpose was greater than, well, you're not the boss of me, and I'm telling you what to do. Their shared purpose to see their country set free. Was what helped them walk together in collaboration. Shared purpose. If you are in a family, if you have a wife, if you have a husband, you have a shared purpose. And that purpose is for your family to glorify God. And everything you see, do, and everything you say, in the occupation that you have, and where you send your children to college, and what they decide to do for their chosen career, it's about serving God. And a shared purpose as a husband and a wife, as a mother, as a father, that shared purpose is our job is to put away the works of darkness and to invite the king of of the world into our family. That's our purpose. It's not about who gets the credit. It's not about, well, you got more recognition than I did. You didn't take my idea. Why do you like his idea not mine? It's not about that. It's about the purpose for which... We are created. It's about the purpose God has called us to. Amen? Amen. I've always had this thing stirring inside me that the answer is men and women working together. I've always believed that. I have always believed that. It is deep inside my core that the answer is men in their glory and gifting and women in their glory and gifting work together for the kingdom of God. Amen? And Deborah and Barack are a perfect example of collaboration. Giving honor, giving respect, keeping the goal in mind, and not getting sidetracked by petty differences, petty offenses. The goal is to kick out the kingdom of darkness from your family and from any area of this city where we walk. We're going to a popka, there's a whole nother area that we have to take possession, not of people, but of of, of things that rule and hide in the darkness. And we have to have a shared purpose to make that happen. Amen? All right, let's keep going. When Sisera, that's the enemy military guy, when he was told that Barak had gone up to Mount Tabor He called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron. Now, today that's like, you know, an iron chariot, what's the big deal? That was a huge deal back then. Because the Israelis, the Israelite army, they had 10,000 foot soldiers. And in other verses later on, which we didn't have time to read, it says that the weapons were rusty and not used. The Israelis hadn't even had a sword or a spear. In fact, they had changed their weapons into farming implements. That's how oppressed they were. They weren't even thinking we're gonna fight and we're gonna kick the enemy out. They were farming and just willing to live like they lived. So 900 chariots of iron and all the men who were with them from this city to the river. And Deborah said to Barak, get up. For this is the day, she was the prophetess, she heard the word, this is the time. This is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Now remember before she said, it's actually not going to be, a woman's going to get the credit, but if you don't care, I don't care, let's go. So she's not referring to that here, she's just saying that that we're going to get the victory today. Your army is going to defeat an army of 900 iron chariots. Does not the Lord go out before you? It reminded me so much when I was studying of Joan of Arc. If you've never read Mark Twain's account of the life of Joan of Arc, it is fascinating. Mark Twain does an amazing job of talking about Joan of Arc. But this is what this reminded me of, how she led the French army. She was the inspiration for that. Does not the Lord go out before you? And that's exactly what happened. So, Brock went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. Now we don't have time, but in the fifth chapter she writes a poem, and it's turned into a song. And in that song, she's praising the people that served. She's also fussing at the tribes that never sent any soldiers. So that she is a true mama. She was scolding them. All right. And the Lord routed Sisera. In fact, it says that there was confusion in the camp, and they started. They just left their chariots and uh, their, their instruments on the ground. And all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. Sisera got down from his chariot and uh, fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots, and the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man left. The only man left was Sisera, who had run and hidden in a tent. There was a nomadic people there. And one of the jobs of this woman, Jael, is that her job was to set up the tents. And there are these huge tent pegs I envision. Like, remember the old fashioned circuses used to come to town and you see these huge tent pegs that would hold up those big tents? I envision something like that. So, Sisera had snuck off. To, he was tired. I mean, yeah. So, he had snuck off and he, was, he had gone to this tent. She's like, Come on in, take a nap. Let me give you something to drink. And he fell asleep. And this woman, this is PG, so if you have children, She takes that tent peg, and while he's sleeping, it's a fascinating story. If you guys like war stories, you need to read Judges. And that was it. So that was what was prophesied by Deborah, that he would die by the hands of a woman. Okay. Our purpose and our mandate is to destroy the works of the enemy. And if someone is being oppressed, If someone is is under the influence of addiction, if someone is in confusion, they don't care if the help comes from a male or a female. All they care about is that deliverance comes to them, comes to their family, comes to their situation. The last thing is boundaries. No one has unlimited authority except God. No one of us has all the gifts. We need each other. We need each other each other to do what God has called us to do. Paul says in Corinthians, but we will not boast beyond measure, but within the boundaries which God has appointed us, which reach even you. When we go beyond what God has gifted us to do or we have permission to do, we don't have God's grace to do it. We don't have God's grace to do it. Sometimes in our culture, we think, I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna do the best I can do, I'm gonna go for it. And we don't stay in our lane. We're over in somebody else's lane who has the gifting for it who has the anointing for, and we're just now in the way. Stay in your lane. Stay within the boundaries that God has given you. If he's given you a gift or gifts, use them. Use them to the fullest extent of your ability. But where you don't have ability, where you don't have gifting, where you don't have authority, where you don't have anointing, where you don't have permission, get out of the way. And let someone who has permission, who has the anointing, who has the authority, move in that area. And together, we will do what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. We're not all gifted the same, and we don't all have the same measure of faith. We don't. Sometimes you will have the faith to go, you know what? I think we can, we can go and, and, and meet with this person. I think that well, God will grant us favor. I might be going, what? Kind of like Brock did. He's like, well, you go with me. There was no shame in him saying, you go with me. She had the faith for it. And if you have the faith for something wonderful, we don't all have the same measure of faith. But we've all been called to do the same works that Jesus commissioned us all to do. If you will stand with me, please, I'll try to close on time. Your gender, male or female, is not a hindrance to God. It's not. It's not a hindrance. It's the vehicle that God will use. And the time you spend wasting, like, well, I wonder why. I wish I was this. I wish I wasn't that. The time you spend wasting is time wasted. Because God will use how he created you. God will use how he gifted you. God will use the graces that he's extended into your life to make a difference. We need to work together. So the lessons I learned from Deborah is this. I need to prepare myself. She was giving sound judgments before God said, Now, get up, rise up. This is the time to go. Gather them in. Barak, gather your men. She was making sound judgments. She was making wise decisions. She was judging the land. Are you preparing yourself for when God says, get up and go now. Now's the time. I've been preparing you for this. Get up and go. Because remember, she was already judging. It didn't just start then. She was already doing the work that God had called her to do. And in the fullness of time, now. But we have to be working on our character. We have to be people that can be counted on, people that can be dependable, people that stay in our lane, people that show honor and respect. If we're someone that always needs to get the credit, someone that always needs to be validated, someone that always needs to be reassured, and we don't do the validation, do the reassuring, do the respect to others, we're never going to get anywhere. We have to show honor. We have to share purpose for this city. We have to stay in our lane. Go as fast as you can in your lane. Go as, as, Be as mighty as you can, but don't go in somebody else's way. What we've been gifted to do, what we have the authority to do, let's do it with all of our might. Amen? Pastor David is going to come out and pray with us. Do you know that we love you? Do we, you know that we want the best for every family, every husband, every wife, every parent? Every child. You are our family. And we would be remiss if we don't remind you what God's called us to do in this city, in this church. So thank you for coming. We're going to have Pastor David Close.
1: Thank you, Dr. Crystal. And also we would like to know, inquiring minds would like to know where is the address of your palm tree? Seriously, tell it no. Um, what an amazing example that God can raise up from a place that's been destitute and, and ruined. And it, to me, it's just an example of sometimes we feel like we've been ruined, we've been destitute, and God can still raise up out of us incredible things. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Deborah as an example, uh, someone who can be so well balanced and hear so clearly the Spirit of God in their life. Lord, make us more like her in that way where we make room for people in their gifting and we recognize that we need each other and we need to recognize where we need to be. But more than anything, Lord, we thank you that you sent your Son to take our place on the cross and he makes everything possible for this life. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Don't forget, women, we have a women's encounter on the 9th of November, and we love you guys. We'll see you next week.